0: The impact that we hope to make is that kids and people growing up, coming to banana ball games, see this and say, you know what, I love that. I want to be a banana baller when I grow up. I want to wear the gear or get the custom glove or, you know, I want to play with the yellow banana ball baseball.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of disruption, media, innovation, all different kinds of things I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host Tom Richardson Tom we are back together for the first time in quite a while at the beginning of July 2022
2: oh my god uh, on the eve of July 4th weekend uh, it's hard to believe that it is uh, already July this is, we're recording this in July 1 uh, we've had a night we had a nice month of J- June I was just telling some of my friends from out of state how it was one of the nicest Junes we've had in years because we really didn't have any heat it ended oh, in a very pleasant month overall. Yeah, yeah weather wise, I mean, that's the first thing you got to talk about when you're from New yeah. York, right? So, um, but no, it, it's, um, it's nice to have a little downtime on the academic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you mentioned, I, I, as, as soon as you mentioned the word disruption in your opening, which you often mentioned, we often mention. I was thinking, wow, could it be any more disruptive than it is these days in certain parts of this business? Uh, And I'm referring, of course, to probably the biggest news of the sports business in the last few days, which is the announcement from the Big Ten that two L.A. colleges, USC and UCLA, will be joining the Big Ten so they can play Rutgers after a five and a half hour plane flight. But that's a crazy development. And and also, just one more point, though, that I noticed, because I was always a fan of that really clever logo, the B, the the B-10, right, that everybody knows. I had forgotten that they're not actually 10 right now. The conference currently is 14. And with the additions of the two new schools, it'll be the big 16. So I immediately went to the challenges that the marketing department will have of how they switch up that logo, unless they just stick with it for all time's sake.
1: You're also making a big assumption that they're done adding schools.
2: Oh, okay. Well, maybe for now, because I assume if there's anything else to come that would have been done as part of this announcement, but maybe Uh, not not yet. Well, do you know
1: something? I don't know, Joe, like, you know, here's your chance to break some news. We'll see. But, um, you know, one thing we want to get to our guests, but um, I looked up because I, once again, I had nothing better to do last night when Rutgers went to the final four in 1976, the longest road trip for men's basketball, the entire season was 400 miles. Their closest home game now is just under – a road game is just under 400 miles for every sport. And and Rutgers actually has the second – right now already has the second longest road trip, Rutgers to Nebraska, which is, I think, 1,200 miles. The longest, actually, which is really interesting, is Florida International at UTEP, which is 1,600 miles. So think about about the Rutgers – you know, uh, Rutgers lacrosse, if UCLA adds lacrosse, spending a weekend, you know, in California. Or how about, you know, as somebody pointed out, Rutgers very successful in baseball. Now they got to go play USC and UCLA in baseball. Good luck with that. So.
2: It's sincere. Well, every, every sport, especially, and obviously the ones with more limited uh, funding, it's it's just, it's kind of crazy. But I mean, I think we've come to the point with certain of these categories in our business, college sports being close to the top, where nothing is sacred, everything's on the table for discussion and for disruption. Mm -hmm. And it all leads to back to media and marketing and entertainment. So it's a good kind of segue for this conversation today, which I'm personally very excited about. This is we're about to talk about one of the great, in my humble opinion, one of the great sports and entertainment marketing stories in American sports over the last 10 years or so. So Joe, why don't
1: you set it up? Sure, so um, a while ago, Tom, we had on someone when this was just getting started in a various different form, uh, to come on and talk about Wood Bat Baseball and and what was then a, a team that was looking for an opportunity to fill stands and it was called the Savannah Bananas. And lo and behold, it has morphed into, as things do, Something totally different in one track and kind of similar in another track. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about the evolution of the bananas, what they're looking at from a baseball or an entertainment standpoint and what they've done and the amazing worthwhile credit that they've gotten for kind of reinventing you know, what happens on a baseball diamond, um, both from a fun standpoint and from an engagement standpoint with businesses and fans. So Jared Orton of the Savannah Bananas, welcome to the Cusp Show.
0: What's up, guys? You know, you, you forgot to mention July first is Bobby Bonilla Day. Another. It is Bobby great
1: that's day. right. I saw that by, by the Twitter way. This so here's night, an yeah. interesting thing about Bobby Bonilla, and everybody talks about the Mets. Do you know that the Orioles pay him 500 grand every July first as well for a longer period yeah. than the Mets are going to pay him the 1.3 million?
0: Yeah, so, it's a beautiful. It's wow. a beautiful thing. He gets all the credit, but you know, the the deferred contracts across all the professional sports oh, are. Yeah outrageous outrageous yeah. but you know yeah. you mentioned july 1st i was like come on yeah one good more point. celebration and, this weekend and by the oh, yeah, way yeah. No, that, I that, my, thank you for that and that good
2: baseball reference
0: all
1: right
0: as i have my met, met shirt, shirt on, you did as have your yes, met Bobby, shirt
1: Bonilla, Bobby Bonilla is going to be invited back and will attend the renewal of metal timers day in august by the way thanks to steve cohen so there we go anyway all
2: right let's, so let, let me start with this this to me Best is time. really fascinating So the the tagline of the team, I believe, because I just made sure I just double checked the website, fans first, entertainment always. And I smiled Mm -hmm. to myself when I read that. first of all, it's excellent. But it also uh, is not exactly consistent. what We see with most teams that we know of in professional (laughs) sports, where it's maybe fans second or third and (laughs) entertainment occasionally. Um, So I love the fact that 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 just kind of is the overarching theme of this whole enterprise and. I will just say preemptively for those listening to definitely go to the site and watch the 20 minute video about the backstory, the founding of this team. It's really one of the great stories. And I know, Joe, we're going to talk about real sports and and the coverage they got there, which raised Mm -hmm. the profile. But, but Jared, why don't you just talk about like just the mentality that kind of got this going? Because to me that it all started there and everything else stemmed from that.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting part to start with because I think you know part of our origin story is that we don't come from outside money. We don't come from outside investment. We don't come from capital. Uh, we didn't uh, get, get wealthy somewhere else in another business and parked our cash in a sports team. And so the mentality of fans first was we've got to wake up every single day and do something that delights our fans. And if we don't, we won't have anything. We quite literally will not have anything if we don't have those fans. And so we do that by entertaining them and people want to be entertained and people want to have fun. Sorry, excuse me, and we so we exist to make baseball fun. That's that core, you know, mission is to make baseball fun. And and that's what fans first is. We've got to wake up every single, delay, every single day, delight our fans, do something that entertains them so that they go out and say, you won't believe what the Savannah Bananas are doing. Have you seen the video? Have you been to the game? Did you hear about what they did, you know, on the field last night? Did you see what they're doing with Banana Ball? Like, are you seeing all these things? Because if we don't do that, we will have no fans. And yes, you know, the the money and all that comes from that. But at the core principle, we've got to delight the fans and we've got to do the things that that put them first. And and there's, you know, when we think about our fans, there's a variety of fans. We think about our external fans, the one who comes to the the games. Uh, We think about our internal fans, like the people that work here and do business with us. We think about our vendors and uh, the people that we are in relationship with. And obviously, we think about ourselves. What's it take to make every single person a fan?
1: Um, t- so take us back to the origin story, because there are, a lot of people probably don't know, there are parallel paths for the Bananas too. Are they two separate businesses or do they work together now?
0: You know, when we first started this thing out, as, as uh, you know, the, the story's been told, you know, professional baseball was in Savannah for you know 90 plus some odd years. Uh, and we we played in this wonderful ballpark Savannah in, in Savannah, Georgia, Grayson Stadium that, you know, has seen all the greats come through. And it got to a point in Savannah in 2015 where the professional team who was affiliated uh in, in professional baseball said, you know, Savannah's no good, the stadium's no good, the city's no good, the fans are no, you know, it's just all these negative things that were coming out. And they basically held everything hostage and said, we're leaving. And they left and went to Columbia, South Carolina. And I had known Jesse and Emily uh, previously when I was in school and and, uh, in, in Belmont, North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte there. And I remember getting a call from Jesse one day and he said, have you heard about what's going on in Savannah? You know, the team's leaving. What do you think about putting this Coastal Plain League baseball team in savannah we could go take over the stadium we could do this college woodbat thing you know we've already been inside this league we know what to do Uh, and we were pretty naive at that point because we thought oh we can do anything we can you know save baseball in savannah um we found out very quickly that we were not seen as the saviors of of grayson stadium we were seen as the lowest of the low (laughs) you know there's professional baseball there's obviously all the minor leagues there's independent leagues and it's like college summer and people were people People were offended that we thought that, you know, we were going to come in as, as college summer uh, baseball and do something that was different. And early on, it was a struggle. You know, we were we were marketing like everyone else. We were uh, doing business like everyone else. We were talking about things that basically they had heard every single time, you know, a new ownership group comes in they make all these promises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, you know, we, we know you'll probably be out of here in three or four years. Um, And so we were, we were on a very tough path the first few months here in Savannah. Nobody cared. Nobody knew who we were. Everyone expected us to fail uh, and it took some real ingenuity on creating a tension around the Bananas brand and coming up with the logo, the name, the, the, the actual entertainment concept of it that really put people on that different path of, oh my goodness, This is something different that we've never seen in Savannah, Georgia before. And so that launched us into that 2016 campaign uh, where on February 25th, 2016, we announced the world, you know, we were going to be the Savannah bananas. People freaked out. They lost their minds. You know, people thought this is the dumbest thing on earth. This is a joke. You guys are making fun of baseball. You know, no one's going to come to the games like this thing is over. Um, And we just felt like, you know what? There's got to be something different here. We've got to work ourselves into a different niche of the business because, you know, we're never going to be uh, the New York Yankees. We're never going to be the Dodgers. We're never going to win the World Series. You know, we're never going to have that prowess. How do we? work ourselves into entertainment and baseball together and that was kind of that genesis of 2016 into what it is today and of course it's changed over time Uh, but it all came down to we've got to make baseball fun for people and if we don't we're probably not going to have a business very long
2: wow I mean you know you say you're not the New York Yankees you're not a professional MLB team but Joe I got one stat and Jared that blew my mind when I was doing some research for this Joe, did you know that the bananas have more Instagram followers than the Cincinnati Reds? Five hundred ninety-nine thousand versus five hundred. Not, not surprised. Seriously, that is an amazing fact. So I want to I want to spend a couple minutes on how you actually did you did and are doing your social media because that's an accomplishment that Joe, I think it's fair to say, no other low profile quote minor league enterprise in this country in, in sports has even close to. And by the way, that is also very, as we all know, in American media and and social, that's a very good barometric reading on the popularity of a brand,
1: how you're doing on Instagram. So So before we do that, let's fast forward, because like I said, it's almost two different two tracks of business. So you've got the Woodbat League and all the fun stuff that you're doing in the traditional side. So bring us up to speed with what people think the overall bananas, which will be getting most of the coverage do. And then to Tom's question, how does that play out on social across both teams? In
0: 2020, the, the wonderful uh, roller coaster of 2020, we came to the the end of that season where we only were able to serve, you know, maybe 25,000 fans or whatever that was. Um, and we said, we've got a real problem here and it's not, uh, it's not the pandemic. It's the fact that we've been in existence for now five years. We're at a we're at a true capacity limit. We cannot sell any more tickets. we cannot have any more games. We're stuck in a league. We've got no upside in this thing to actually drive the business forward, uh, to bring things to our fans, to create new fans. And th- that's not very inspiring for a company to only be in existence for five years and say, what do we do next? And so we kind of had a real conversation around something we had been testing uh, in 2018 and 2019 was basically this idea of of what now is known as banana ball. And and the origin of it was Jesse and the entertainment team and some of our, our leadership folks were like, Number one, we feel like baseball is too long, too slow, too boring. And we don't have any control over that. You know, we can put all the antics in the world. We can do all the promotions, the skits, the hijinks, all the funny things. But at the end of the day, we saw every single night, people would leave at nine o'clock people would, you know, be the fifth inning, sixth inning, maybe the seventh inning. And we'd get to the end at 10, 10, 15, and maybe we have 50% of the people in the crowd. And we feel like, you know, you would not go to a Broadway musical and leave at 60% of the way through. You would not go to the premiere of... Uh, the next Star Wars movie and say, all right, halfway through, you know what, had enough, we'll see you later. Like that would be offensive. That would be absolutely offensive. And so, but the people do that in baseball and, yeah. and you look at, you look at the traditional other sports and you look at soccer and hockey and a basketball game. And I know football's a little bit longer, but I think that's a little bit of a, uh, uh, an outlier. You look at movies, you know, being 90 minutes long for the most part, like people don't go to things, for three plus hours. Like that just doesn't exist. And so we said, could we rip out all the, the dead friction parts of baseball? Could we limit it to two hours? Could we take away the walks, the mound visits, the bunting, you know, could we have fans catch foul balls and, and make it an out? Like could we do all those things and we started testing it. And then in 2020, we launched this new vision for where we wanted the bananas to be. And part of that was a touring show and going on the road and broadcast and banana ball and uh, bringing it to 250,000 people. And we started really casting this vision of like, this is where we want to go. And maybe that exists outside of our traditional league structure. So in, uh, in 2021, we got in contact with uh, Mobile, Alabama. They actually had the same story kind of like us. They had a minor league team there for 20 years, they left the stadium. It sat empty after 2020, and so we launched our One City World Tour uh, to Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> and uh, played at Hank Aaron Stadium. Actually, Hank Aaron's childhood home sits next to that stadium, um, and we played banana ball for two nights, Friday and Saturday. We had our team, the Savannah Bananas, and we had our, our alter ego, or arch nemesis, the, the party animals, and we took All of our entertainment, the band, the dance team, the PA announcer, both teams, the dad bod cheerleading squad, everybody. We went to Mobile, Alabama. Um, 8,000 people showed up over two nights. It It was emotional. It was like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe this is happening. We went back to the summer season. People were tremendously confused. People were showing up with the banana ball rules to our summer game saying, okay, I'm here, I'm here to catch the foul ball for the out, like, No, 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 that's the summer thing, very confusing. So we said, you know what, we're doing it again. Uh, and we embarked on um, our 2022 Banana Ball World Tour this past spring. Went to Daytona, Montgomery, uh, West Palm Beach, the spring training home of the Nationals and Astros. Went to Rickwood Field in Birmingham, the oldest ballpark in America, 1910. Uh, Went to Kansas City, Kansas, and played against the Monarchs in the American Association. And every single night, anywhere from 4,000 to 10,000 people showed up and watched Banana Ball and it was the most thrilling six weeks of our lives. We are now back into the summer season of the Coastal Plain League, but we are actively preparing for, how do we take Banana Ball and this world tour to every corner of these United States? Uh, because we believe that's, that's the brand of the future. It's Banana Ball.
2: Yeah. Wow, so Jared, did you guys, I assume for the purpose of these competitive games on the tour, you actually have formal codified rules of banana ball. So could you just go over the highlights the, the rules, highlights of how it's different? You mentioned, you referred to a couple of yeah. things but specifically, like how, how are you cutting that time out in a formal manner?
0: Right. Well, we're just doing it. The easiest way to do, we're putting a time limit on it. Uh, so the games are two hours. No, no if ands or buts. We uh, we have the national Anthem. We say play ball and Jesse Cole gets on the mic and says start the clock and boom, we're in a two hour uh, countdown into into the game. And so the, the, the basic structure of it is that uh, it's kind of like a mixture of match play in golf mixed with like boxing rounds kind of in a way. And so the let's say we, we start the first inning and the party animals are up to bat and they score zero runs three outs you know they, they score no runs now we go to the bottom of the first the bananas are up to bat if the bananas score one run the inning is over they win the inning and now we're off to the second inning so what you don't see like what we had the other night here in our traditional game we had a seven run third inning i believe is the third inning in banana ball that would never happen we would hit we would do one nothing move on to the next inning, and that probably took 20
2: or 30 minutes right that one it took
0: it took right at yeah right at 30 minutes yeah and so like (laughs) people start tuning out and people say you know okay well now it's starting to get late now we're going to leave and then they only see half the game and so at the end of two hours whoever has won the most innings wins the game if there is a tie at the end of two hours, or if we've played all nine innings, which we're getting close to jamming in nine innings in two hours. Uh, We haven't got there yet. We always kind of land on the seventh or eighth, but once we get to the the end of two hours uh, and if the game is tied, we go to a showdown and that's where we were inspired by like soccer and hockey and like the best moments of the shootout, right? Like everyone's off the field offense, versus goalkeeper, one-on-one, let's see what happens. And so we take all the all the uh, the defenders off the field, the pitchers out there, we have one fielder, we obviously have a catcher, and then the hitter. And it's up to the hitter to put the ball in play, circle the entire infield, run all the bases, and score before the fielder can go retrieve the ball, throw it in, and tag the guy out of the plate. And it is electric. Everyone's on their feet. They want to see this guy either strike the guy out or they want to see a ball hit to the moon and walk this thing off for the win. Uh, and so that's kind of that. That's like the, the really fundamental scoring structure of the game. All the other stuff is basically like no bunting, no mound visits. Uh, again, if you catch a foul ball, you're out. No stepping out of the box. And so what you see from like if you're watching it live, is we're throwing a pitch like every 10 seconds it's rapid fire it's things are happening all over the place you cannot miss a minute of this game and people love it they get everything they want in two hours and then they go home happy ninety like nine percent of the fans are there right to the end
2: wow Joe, I think uh, it's time for Rob Manfred to hire Jared and Jesse yeah. and Emily.
0: <laughs> Believe me,
1: I will tell you right now what those conversations are like because yeah. having gone through some things in MLB, they ain't pretty. Anyway, yeah, no, I know, but um, but,
2: but but I mean, yeah, but Jesse's getting to something we've touched on, Joe, through the years, certainly both in mm-hmm. our in our classes in the program, mm-hmm. and also on the pods with different guests. Which is the reality is, as I like to say in my class, Jesse, I teach digital media. We're in the attention economy and you're fighting for attention against a lot of things. And the purists and the traditionalists who think how dare they impose a shot clock or how dare they figure out these artificial rules to shorten the game. They're in in my opinion, they're just being naive. Like you have to compete. There's no entitlements for anybody in the attention economy. You have to kind of earn your spot. And there's a reason why products evolve and the product in the case of sports is the, the product you put on the field, the actual game. So, so just a quick follow up: There is, has I assume, a lot of people have taken notice of this because you're you're planning on expanding and stuff like that. But do you think it has the potential to be ultimately a real, meaningful influence in in more in more higher level baseball, like college and pros?
1: And one of the things also on that, which I'm really
0: intrigued about,
1: who owns the rules? <laughs>
0: um... Good question. Yeah. The rules of a game are, um, they are free to the world. You know, they are, they are of public interest. Um, Public domain as anyone. Uh Uh Yeah. You know, um, so um, I can go out, I can go out and start a football league tomorrow, but I cannot call it the national football league. I cannot use the shield. I cannot use the NFL. I cannot use uh, the New York giants or Carolina Panthers or whatever, but I can go have a four-quarter game, fifteen minutes a quarter. I can have a two-minute uh, warning. I can have all those things. I just cannot market it as the NFL. Um, so by 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 all intents and purposes, someone could take all the rules and they could go start their own thing. Uh, they cannot commercially refer to it as banana ball, um, but they could do that. They could they could take it all out. And I think we've. Um, I think by, by almost happenstance calling it banana ball, you know, even if they did go out there and say, we're starting a banana ball league. um, There's only one Savannah bananas and there's only one team doing banana ball. And so I think we would get some, some high praise for that. I think when, when, um, when you think about what other teams do it, what other, what other leagues do it, what what other entities do it um, you know, I'm not sure because I think there's a lot of, of risk that people assume they might be taking by quote-unquote alienating their their current fan base Um, and what we have always told people because there's somewhat always a question of like are you guys anti-baseball are you guys trying to stick it to somebody and really no we just feel like this is an alternate form of baseball that maybe you could enjoy And you might be a fan of the Atlanta Braves. And that's awesome. You also might be a fan of banana ball. You can do both. We feel like you can do both. Um, You know, we're not looking for defectors. Uh, You know, we're not not looking for pirates to jump ship. Uh, We just believe that maybe there's baseball fans and specifically non-traditional baseball fans that say, you know what? I like this. I like the two hours. I like the showmanship. I like that. I know what I'm getting. I like the non-traditional sense of it. Um, You know, I can learn a new set of rules and this is kind of fun. This is kind of interesting. And um, I think the impact that we hope to make is that kids and people growing up coming to banana ball games, see this and say, you know what? I love that. I want to be a banana baller when I grow up, or I want to, I want to wear the gear or get the custom glove, or, you mm-hmm. know, I want to play with the yellow banana ball baseball and my hero's Bill LaRoy or my hero's Kyle LeWigs. And, you know, I think that will be the, the genus the, the, the trajectory that takes, I don't think we'll have as much maybe top down impact. I think we'll have this bottom up, like right. people seeing that maybe there's a different way to play and consume baseball.
1: It actually, and it goes back to really what you kind of answered what Tom's question was, but you are actually a gateway to bring people to the other the traditional form of baseball who may come in and say, "Oh, I never really watched baseball." Now I don't know whether they'll go and watch three hours, but you're actually yeah. opening up a door and creating conversations that baseball, traditional baseball, actually needs. Tom, I mean that's really what I, I yeah I
2: agree. And and yeah. and by the way, you know one element of this we haven't touched on yet, and I want to ask Jared about Joe before we get to the back to my social media question. Yep. yep, Jared, how do what is the mindset of the players? Cause obviously you don't want to turn it into a joke. And you've now have six years of experience doing this players are competitive by nature. I, I assume most of these are elite high school and some college players that end up playing in a league like uh, coastal Plain or in banana ball. How, how do you need to kind of screen the player? I mean, let's say they have the skills physically to do this. Do you need to screen them like attitudinally? Like they're cool with all this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think this, this is a conversation that people have in business, but also in sports a lot. And it's like, do, do people buy into the culture of what's being created here? And if you, if you don't, that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just, you're not going to thrive here. And our coaching staff that was on the summer college side, Tyler Gillum and his staff, They've been at this, I mean, they're they're in their fifth season with us, which you do not see usually in college summer baseball, guys coming back and over and over and over. And then what we've seen is the players have come back two years, three years, four years. We actually hired Bill uh, Leroy and Kyle LeWigs after their fourth season with us to become full-time employees with us and then be kind of the faces of banana ball. And what we're seeing is that, we allow guys to have more fun and show their personality and oh by the way they're extremely talented when they get on the field and I think when we are able to show that both can exist there's going to be a certain set of players that say I would rather go do this have a ton of fun show off my skills travel the country play in front of you know, 350,000 people get treated really well, have great facilities, go on the road, be in hotels, and have a presence on social media and build a brand that maybe I wouldn't get If I, yes, get drafted, but then I get dumped into the minor league system and, you know, maybe I don't pan out. And so um, we are starting to get really high level talent. Most of them on the banana ball side are currently playing independent league baseball somewhere else. Uh, But now as we really start grooming this thing, we're going to start actively recruiting College seniors, guys who have been out for a year or two, maybe they had their minor league deal uh, rescinded or maybe they got dumped out of independent league baseball and say, hey, here's the opportunity. Do you want to have fun, play play baseball and make an impact on hundreds of thousands of people? Uh, this is your chance to do that.
2: Amazing. Um, so uh, so regarding social media, obviously, yeah. you got all this going in 2016. It seemed like the inflection point based on the video that I watched on the on, on the founding was the actual choice of bananas as the name. It became controversial as you said, but one of one one of you guys, you were Jesse, I think, in the video said the, the good news is we got everybody in Savannah talking about this team. Yeah. Uh, and you sold one season ticket, he said it like in the first two months or something like that. Yeah. But it worked and, and you and you start on this trajectory. At some point, you guys had to build a marketing plan, which included, of course, social media. Talk about how you approached that as a as a digital marketing um, complement to what you were doing in the analog world of these entertainment uh, uh, presentations of baseball.
0: Yeah, the 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 real switch we realized we had to make was that. When people go on social media, they are not going on there to be sold something. They are not going on there to get hit with, here's the latest ticket offer or go buy this thing. You know, the, the purpose of social media was for people to just come together, let loose, you know, kind of kind of decompress the mind, see what's going on in the world, you know, that that front porch of, of the internet type of thing. And so we realized after like studying it and going to conferences and reading like really in depth on like the companies that are a part of those social media platforms, what their goal is, and then how we fit in as like a contributor to those platforms. And so I think a lot of times people can get confused and they say, uh, well, social media is like a sales channel. It's like a sales funnel. And that is quite literally the opposite of what those platforms want them to be. You know, your, your job as a contributor to them uh whether you like it or not is to get those people to stay on that platform for as long as possible Mm -hmm. and i know that's controversial i know that there's a lot of science and there's (laughs) there's health behind that but that's what they want and so if you want to win on those channels you've got to do that and if all you're doing is going on there posting buy this buy this buy this come to my website go to my blog you're not going to win. And people are going to uh, argue, Oh my gosh, you know, social media is dead. Organic reach is dead. You can't talk to anybody on social media. We believe quite the opposite. We have so much engagement and true uh, fan building and brand building throughout the social media channels uh, because all we think about is going back to that brand vision of make baseball fun. Fans first, entertain always. All we need to do here is make baseball fun. And so, Everything you see on social media that we that we put out there is just trying to build that fun around our social media and, and, and that engagement and the growth and the trajectory that we've seen on there is just out of this world. And when we tell people that we truly spend a handful of dollars promoting ourselves on social media, they can't believe it. Um, and it, and it comes from just being that provider of great content. And when we do need to sell something, we very carefully place it on there. We tell people what we're about to do. We try to engage with them in the, in the proper way and work them into what they're looking to buy. But all we think about is we're a media company and we've got to provide fun content to people and build the followers that way. As
2: a quick nice. follow-up, how, how big is the staff that's actually doing the work seven days a week
0: because it's a seven day a week
2: job as we all know
0: it is it is and we're working on that because it's it's uh it's certainly not fair to them to you know be on their phones 24 7 uh but we have we have two video we have two full-time uh video production editing uh folks who do great work for us uh we have two full-time marketing execution strategy people and then we have a, a a variety of seasonal folks or interns that come in but really we have we have a core group of four people who are pumping this thing out on a regular basis and and executing it really really well where all the where all the ideas come from though are on the entertainment side you know so we kind of think about it as this like this funnel of of content where the live show what we do on the field with the players with the with the entertainers with the script with everything you see that's the that's the the um That's the launch point of everything that we put out. Remember, it's make baseball fun. So we do that in a live segment. And then the marketing and content team gets around that and says, okay, we see everything that's about to happen. Here's how we're going to capture it. Here's how we're going to tell the story. Here's what we're going to do with that. Uh, here's where we're going to put cameras. Here's how we're going to test it. Like we're, we'll go through rehearsals on like, all right, this is going to happen tonight. Here's how we're going to produce it and show it. And then marketing execution team says, okay, uh, that would be great for this channel or let's make it where it's omnichannel or let's put that specific on TikTok. Or uh, like right now we're going through kind of a YouTube thing where we're putting some longer form episodic type deals uh, onto YouTube. And so there's all these pieces that come together. and then marketing and content team says, all right, we've got all the inputs. Now let's spread them to the world. Cool.
1: Hey, um, so a couple questions, and I know uh, we're going to run out of time. We could talk for hours about this stuff. Um, so is it run as one business, both teams, because I'm trying to figure out like what the profitable side is or where, yeah. you know, obviously. And then the other piece of that is, you know, the two people I'd love to know if, if they've given you input or if you reach out to them, one is Mike Vec. Yeah, um, good friend of our show and um, somebody I know. The Vec family for a long time. He and Night Train and his whole family. And then the other side is the Globe How yeah. you know has you know um, Keith Dawkins, who's now running the Globe Trotters, come mm-hmm. along and said, "Hey, you guys are doing something similar. We should work together, winter fall." So the business side, the Globe Trotters, and the Vecs. How do
0: those? Yeah. Yeah, the so yeah the business side is, is is it's run as one brand, and that's where you know it's kind of confusing a little bit on the social media, the content side, but you know it's run as one brand, it's run as one entity, um, and you know going on the road and going to these bigger ballparks, it's it's really interesting. Uh, you know, Grayson Stadium is actually now our home stadium is actually our smallest venue that we will ever play in ever again, which is like kind of mind. Uh, Kind of a mind pretzel to think that your home venue is your smallest ballpark, Uh, but there's nostalgia here. And, you know, just last night, Thursday night, we had uh, people from 27 different states uh, were were in attendance on Tuesday, where there was people from 35 different states, Canada, Ireland. I met a lady from Ecuador. Uh, I mean, people literally coming from all over all corners of the United States and the world to come to Savannah, Georgia, to see the Savannah Bananas play. And then when, when we go on the road, uh, you know, we're going to these, these wonderful ballparks, new cities, new stadiums, uh, and people are not just coming locally there. When we went to Kansas City, people coming from all over the Midwest, coming, coming from the West Coast, uh, people driving 10, 12, 14 hours. Uh, we met fans that couldn't get tickets to a certain location, so they drove to a different location uh, to come see us. And so that that really is kind of the, when you, when you talk about the upside, you know, that's where we saw, all right, banana ball, the ability to tour, the ability to go to other stadiums and venues and markets and reach new people, that's where... We're really going to grow the business, and yeah, the Globetrotters have have been an inspiration to that. Uh, I know Jesse's had a few conversations with with some of their executives, and just learning, you know, the ins and outs of that business. You know, we've we've been inspired by the old traveling baseball teams, you know, the Negro League teams, and uh, you know, the Barnstormers, and uh, the House of David, and the you know the the uh, the King and his court, and people like yep. that. The the Andy true, true showmen of of baseball yep. and and. Uh, and sports and you know the 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 caveat though is that you know people say globetrotters people say WWE you know there's a variety of, of scripted things that we put into play but the one difference is that it's real there's a real baseball game taking place and we don't want to ever take that away there's there's 18 players out there competing once that ball is put into play you don't know what's going to happen You know, uh, we had Bill Lee go out there, you know, 75-year-old Bill Lee. You guys probably saw the videos, Spaceman. Uh, He goes out there, and he goes three up, three down, and people are cheering. He's coming out of the, you know, crowd drinking beers and, you know, doing his thing. Well, one night, he throws a pitch, and a guy just cranks a ball five million feet over the right field fence. And I'm laughing. I'm like, that's it. That's the stuff you just don't know if you're going to see that night. Matt Wolf, who's our uh, circus rodeo clown trick pitcher uh, from Oklahoma, did the same thing. He's got 19 trick pitches. He wears uh, the, the the rodeo clown overall uh, Wrangler cowboy boot get up. Uh, he goes out there. He does all these crazy pitches, throws from the left side, throws from the right side, under his legs, behind his back, crazy stuff. Same thing. He goes out there, throws a pitch bomb hit off of him and it's like you can't script those things and so we script it and it's just like the globe shot just like wwe but then there's this real element of there's a baseball game happening and that's really fun so it's not the washington
1: generals right they are actually playing to win
0: we've we've lost we've lost multiple times already i think we actually split the road series uh the party animals beat us uh half the time and that's that's a little bit of the difference and um And then the the last piece of it is we're going to continue to look to build characters and people and storylines and, you know, make it something that re- that really people can care about. But we're, I think the, what we're trying to do is take so much inspiration from as many people as possible. Take something from the Globetrotters, take something from WWE, take something from uh, Walt Disney, take something from, you know, the cruise line Industry take something from Amazon, like there's so many great things that are out there, whether they're sports and entertainment or business or customer focus or whatever that might be, and we get to take all those things and kind of mold them into the Savannah Bananas and say, "All right, world, what do you think?"
2: Oh my cool. God, I'm I'm ready, Joe, to propose a book that that you and I can <laughs> ghostwrite called Banana Marketing. There is a book, is, right? Didn't you guys do a book already? Did you really? I didn't know that.
0: So, uh, Jesse wrote uh, his, his personal book, uh, Finder Yellow Tux. That was uh, 2018, I think it was. And then we just released a new one called Fans First, which is more the story oh, wow. of the Savannah okay. Bananas in the first five years. Uh we have we've had some folks, you know, we've got this documentary coming out in August on ESPN where they followed the whole wow. uh 2022 wow. Banana Ball World Tour. Uh obviously you guys mentioned the HBO stuff and there's there's a lot more to come where people the Cover um, of Sports um,
1: Business Journal this week. So yeah. Sports, um, Sports Business Jared, Journal. Before we great. get to yeah. the
0: last
2: segment, let me let me ask some more media question. Um Jared, in, in this age of unlimited content, Zillions and zillions of streaming deals and hours. Obviously, um, the long tail of sports content has hit um, the big time over the last couple of years, thinking about cornhole on ESPN or CrossFit or World Chase tag. The list goes on and on. It sounds to me, and I'd love to get Joe's opinion on this too, that banana ball would be definitely as entertaining or perhaps a lot more entertaining than many of the things we're seeing in some of those environments. Have have you guys done any media distribution deals for Banana Ball specifically? Or are you thinking about that?
0: Yeah, we got to dip our toe a little bit into it in in 2022. Uh, So previously uh, in our our summer league deal, we did some pay-per-view stuff. We did some uh, subscription stuff, you know, basic level stuff and then as we got into the 2022 tour we thought look we want more people to see this thing and so we we put everything on youtube we have a a formidable broadcast set up you know certainly nothing that uh is going to break ground anywhere anytime soon but a pretty formidable broadcast set up And we started seeing some real traction around Banana Ball, a few thousand people here, a few thousand people there. It got up to uh, April 8th and 9th, where we did a deal with ESPN Plus uh, and put both games on ESPN Plus, highly produced, wonderful production. And the social media chatter around that was something that was spectacular. That parlayed us into our Challenger Series with the Kansas City Monarchs in Kansas City, Kansas at their field. And uh, we did a free broadcast on YouTube both nights and had over 30,000 people tune in uniquely live throughout the broadcast on back-to-back nights. And we thought, whoa, this is something spectacular. Um, And so as we go into August, we're having conversations around all right. How do we make sure this is widely distributed? We've got this broadcast. We've got this documentary coming out. We've got all this attention. How do we make sure this is uh, distributed properly? And then, yeah, as we go into 2023, it comes down to where can we show as many people uh, this game of banana ball? The challenge that we're having, and this goes back, you know, in television forever and ever and ever. What makes it different? What makes the show look different, feel different? You know, because if you tune in at any minute, you might think, oh, just a regular baseball game happening until you watch maybe 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. How does someone tune in immediately and know, wait, this is a banana ball game? I got to make sure I stay on this.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Joe, maybe they can steal Live Golf's slogan (laughs) baseball only, you know, but louder. Um, that's, another, that's another. I'm thinking show. like so. if I were your consultant, I'd, I'd say, why don't you guys try to find a, a couple of billion dollars from a foreign investor and try to get right. people like Mike Trout to defect
0: <laughs> to, to banana yeah. ball, a novel concept. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um,
1: so Jared, our last two questions, which we had mentioned, uh, one is with so many pieces of this and you guys touch on so many areas, entertainment, media, traditional baseball, traditional sports, um, NIL, um, how do you stay up to date with everything that's going on? How does leadership stay up to date? What do you read? Who do you follow? What do you listen to? And then, you know, we've had other people on from minor league baseball and other places with kind of the traditional advice for young people or people yeah. who are job seeking. What's the non-traditional advice you give to people?
0: Or yeah. They, so. Yeah, I, I um, where, where we stay up to date at is, uh the 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 first piece and our our team just sent a couple we have a you know marketing channel where we're always talking about the the next things uh especially when it comes to social media you know people always talk about it's so hard to crack the code on social media you know they they use this algorithm term that don't nobody really actually knows what that means i don't think they just say it because they heard it one time um I i think that's yeah Idea. They don't want us to know what it means. That's right. <laughs> Truthfully, though, I, I say this with all sincerity, and it sounds so simple. You, they, they, they literally will tell you what to do. You've just got to follow the breadcrumbs of what they share. Um, there was a, a, a when, when uh, one of the, I think the the quarterly earnings from Meta two, two earnings ago, Mark Zuckerberg laid out the eight goals of Meta and where they were going. Number one, number one was Instagram Reels. And, like, right there in a bold number one, here's the statement, here's what to do. And I sent it to our team. I said, guys, their goal is Instagram Reels. They want everyone watching Instagram Reels. You know what that means? We need to be posting Instagram Reels. I mean, it sounds so simple, but if you go yes. through and they- They talk about the metaverse, obviously they talk about um, their their merchant category. They they talk about a few other things. YouTube is is the same thing. If you notice what YouTube is doing, they're talking about YouTube shorts, YouTube shorts, YouTube shorts. Not many people know about YouTube shorts, but YouTube wants people talking about it. Half over, I'm sorry, over 60% of our views um, in the past 28 days have come from short form content on YouTube because they have a goal of pushing this stuff out. And so we, we truly are trying to follow like, what are these companies wanting to reward and incentivize? What are, what are their goals? And then how do we obviously provide content into that? When we think about the outside sports world, we're always curious about, you know, what people are doing outside of baseball, outside of, of sports, outside of entertainment. Like, what are, what are the outer realms of this doing? We're not really concerned with minor league baseball. Uh, we're not really concerned with, with baseball as a whole. We're concerned with, as you mentioned, what are people doing for their attention? What are people doing for entertainment? What are people spending on? Like, what, what are, what are the, uh, the things that are happening in the greater world of sports and entertainment and then where we really get the input, like the, the books that I have on my desk right now, um, none of them have anything to do with baseball. None of them have anything to do with uh, sports marketing. None of them have anything to do with uh, how to run as a sports team. It's, you know, uh, Disney and internet marketing and Southwest Airlines and a brewery and um, a book about uh, solving problems upstream and, uh, you know, virgin uh you know, Virgin Airline, like just who else is doing things, customer centric, customer focused, thinking differently. And then how do we apply that to the Savannah Bananas and make baseball fun? And when that's that's all the input that we're taking and then we're producing it, hopefully through our brand of, of the Savannah Bananas.
1: And the advice you give to people or the kind of surprising advice that people would, would get from from you guys
0: i really i really believe that you've got to set yourself apart uh in in a sense you know you mentioned mike feck and and those people um if you come out and you're going you want to go into the sports world uh and you lump yourself into the category of well i just i did the same thing everyone else did and i'm the same experience and i'm the you know the same 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 what's going to make you different, what's going to make you stand out. And I think the the, the theme of this conversation here is what's going to get someone's attention? And what yeah. value can you show that you're going to provide to these people that no one else can provide? Um, and, and so you've got to differentiate yourself, you've got to have an edge, you've got to, you know, we, we, we as, as humans, we compete just like businesses do. We compete in the free market enterprise system and you've got to bring your best stuff every single day. Um, and so the connections that you make, the people that you work with, the people that you work for, the value that you provide as, a, as an individual to these organizations uh, will go such a long way. And then the, the second piece I would say is um, you've got to make sure that whoever you're going to go out there and work for uh, is a culture fit for you as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's when, when we're hiring people today, it's, hey, are you a good fit for us? We'll figure that out. Are we a good fit for you? Are we going to wow. be a good fit for your lifestyle, your family, how you want to do business, how you want to work? Um, because if not, I really don't care how skilled you are you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to have fun. Um, You're not going to enjoy the work that we do here. You've got to say truthfully, Hey, this is a place that that really fits in for me. Um, And when you have both of those things, you know um, I forget the book, but uh, it's called, you know, getting the right people in the right seat on the bus, you know, just getting the right people on the bus, not, not all the way there. You've got to get the right people in the right seats on that bus. And when that happens, uh, you're joining a pretty powerful organization. Cool. Wow. Great stuff.
1: Tom, you. you want to wrap us up?
2: Yeah. Amazing. First of yeah. all, two really good answers. And the first one I just want to reference quickly, Joe, it might be the first time when we've asked the question, how do you stay smart? Someone led with the idea of following and paying attention to the companies that you're trying to do business with or want to do business yeah. with, such as you're, you're kind of like um, a, a retrofitting your strategy into what they want like TikTok or or, yeah. or youtube or instagram that's really smart that, that is really good so that was a great answer and then this idea of trying to stand apart I, I know it's sometimes easy to say that but sometimes hard to do for people but it does require a little bit of risk sometimes it does require a bit of effort but i i think the inspiration for this savannah banana story is far-reaching beyond individual brand building um, Joe, I, I mean, you and I have been in the business a really long time. We've we've met. We've had the good fortune of meeting and talking to and working with all kinds of different companies. I, I don't want to over-exaggerate the statement. I think this is one of the most interesting stories I've been exposed to in the business uh, in my in my
1: 30-year career. Year well, years. most interesting stories has a chance of success. There's been lots of interesting stories. Well, in,
2: I mean, seen. interesting in that it's, it, yeah. I, I think it's kind of a, an object lesson for marketers, whether you're the National Football League, you're the New York Mets, you're wwe your live golf whoever like there's a lot to be learned from this story and i think one of the things that is um quite um inspirational i would say jared is that if you people do take the time to learn the backstory listening to your story today or watching the video or whatever and see what's become of this idea back when uh back when uh, jesse first called you it really is an incredible an an incredible journey. So congrats on all that. Thank thank you you. for joining us. We really appreciate it.
1: Hey, um, last thing. So give us all the places people can find it. Oh yeah. We forgot to, by the way, we'll also find you.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously the we've talked a lot about the social channels and all that find us there. Uh, and then be ready for this documentary that's coming out on, on ESPN. It'll be, I'm, I'm 99% sure. August 19th is when this thing is coming out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I haven't even seen anything of it yet. I'm actually kind of interested to see what this thing is uh, when it comes out. So that's, that's the best way to keep track of this thing. And you'll be, you'll, you'll get a front seat to like, what is in real time happening with the Savannah bananas. And uh, I think people will remember hopefully long time from now, you know, when they first saw the team, when they first got a glimpse of it, when they, you know, they, they were a part of that, that early nucleus of, of bananas fans And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're embarrassingly easy to get in touch with and find and, and, uh, and come and come, come to see us and check us out.
2: Well, thanks again, Jared. It was a pleasure. Uh, and, uh, good luck with the rest of the regular season. And then of course the development of the banana ball business, which sounds like it has a ton of potential. I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, thank you, Joe, for, um, for the convo setting this up. Thank you, Yash, behind the scenes producing, as always. We appreciate everybody listening. If anybody has any ideas about guests or topics you'd want to hear from us, we're easily findable at please Joe Please let us
1: know. Please.
2: Yeah. Wait, what was Jared's line? We're embarrassingly easy to contact or yeah, something like that. that was, by the way, that was a good line. Uh, and and I would never say that apologetically. I believe that's how good, good people in the business should be. Um, And Joe and I are definitely in agreement on that point. We're embarrassingly easy to find, too. So if you have anything to tell us or suggest, uh, we're all ears. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of The Cusp Show.